This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you. And this morning, we're still doing Zoom this morning. Um, um, and with me this morning, I'm so happy to have him. Uh, joining us is Dan Chapel, who heads up the FCA organization here in East Central Illinois. We've had Dan on many times. Love to talk to him, not only about FCA and what it's doing, but we always that gives me a chance to talk about sports, which I love to do. Um, and Dan was supposed to be here <laughs> a few weeks ago. We had it all planned, and it was all ready to go, and he let me know the night before he really didn't feel very good or whenever you let me know, you let me know in time so we could make an adjustment. Um, turned out you had COVID. So welcome to the world of I survived COVID. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Good morning, Linda. Thank you for, for having me on. I feel, I told my wife that COVID is the new benchmark. If, if someone asked me, how do you feel okay? Well, compared to COVID, I feel like a million dollars. Amen. I'm right there with you. You know, I, Dan and I were talking before we went on air because I didn't know. Uh, all I knew is that he wasn't feeling well uh, and couldn't do the show. But I'm of the mindset when somebody, you know, coughs twice or says they don't feel well, it's like, eh, probably better get a test. And turned as so at the time I actually thought that it's like God I wonder if he's got COVID, um, but it turned out you did and it was it was a pretty bad case and you're a young guy, but it certainly affected you. So I do want to talk about that for just a minute before we get into FCA and sports because it's real important for people your age to understand that they are vulnerable and you certainly were vulnerable to this horrible virus. Yeah. First of all, I'll say that it it did knock me off my feet. It was incredible the the severity of the lethargic, the brain fog, the body yep. aches. I had every single symptom of COVID. Even some of the more secondary. Not everybody gets them. I had all of them except for praise God. I did not have any breathing issues. Had I had breathing issues, I would have ended up in the hospital. I was, yeah. my wife was this close a couple times to call and call the doctor, call an ambulance. It is, it's nothing to trifle with. It certainly is, is something that is, is serious that even I'm 33, I'm relatively healthy as far as I know. And it was, it was tough. It was, the, it's probably the sickest I've ever been. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it is still something that we need to look at as a, as a serious risk. It really is. And, and of course, Wilbur and I are a whole lot older than you. Oh my goodness. Um, but, um, we were the same way and quite frankly, as many health issues as we've experienced over the last couple of years, of years I, none of them of which have been joyous. Um, I'm really surprised we didn't end up in the hospital. I said that all along and we really just relied on each other and got through it. And we had friends, family that, that, you know, helped us out, but we made it, but it is, uh, as you and I both, uh, discussed the thing that, is most surprising about it, I think, is that when you have it and you have a full-blown case, it just amazes you that you feel that bad. I'm still, as I look back, I, I, I can't believe I was that sick or felt that bad. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. You know, the, what we talk about with these, these comorbidity factors of folks who have diabetes or heart disease. Like me. Yeah. I, 
Wow. I just can't imagine my grandmother yesterday in North Carolina just got out of the hospital after, after eight days in the hospital in the COVID unit, she had COVID oh. induced COVID induced pneumonia and she's, she's 72, but she's very healthy for her age. Yeah. I, Linda, I think that's the kind of the subtle and tricky thing about this virus is the, the variety at which it, if some folks, very good friends of mine had a runny nose and a sore throat. Yep. Some, some were asymptomatic. And I think that's kind of the tricky piece here is that, we all, we just it's not like the spanish flu where the whole world was deathly afraid of it it was killing yeah. everyone this is it's a different deal and so it, it really public opinion and personal opinion tends to shift around and back and forth depending on anecdotal stories and i and i get i understand that to some degree but it is it is an interesting season that we live in right now trying to deal with round 2 in a sense of of this pandemic well it's also the lack of respect for other people who are suffering So uh, even if you are, if all you have is a cold or all you experienced was a cold, um, you still have to respect other people that are going to, you know, like us. And we're a variety of ages here, but um, we both experienced the bad end of that and what it's really like. So you need to respect other people. And um, if, if I hear one more time, somebody talk about parent rights in, um, I, you don't have the right to tell me whether or not to wear a mask or get vaccinated. I think I will scream. So, um, anyway, so that said, um, obviously we've been living with this thing for, God, it seems like forever now. I don't know if any of us even remember what life, life was like before. But I know for, for a, an organization like FCA, you've had to go through a lot of things. So first of all, Let's remind everybody what FCA is, what you do, and then let's talk a little bit about how you have your organization has been affected by COVID. Sure. FCA stands for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That name reflects the heart behind our founder, Don McLennan, in 1952. He saw mostly professional baseball players, but professional players selling shaving cream, selling soap, selling beer, selling endorsing products. And he had this vision of what if what if Christians in professional sport had a, a place to rally to to promote Jesus, to promote the gospel. That birthed FCA. That name, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, still reflects the founding. However, as a ministry, we've changed quite a bit over the past 60 plus years. What we do now I'm I'm an area director, so I have seven counties in East Central Illinois that I'm responsible for hiring staff, raising money, building boards, and helping facilitate FCA ministry. We want to engage, equip, and empower every coach and athlete to be followers of Jesus. And and sometimes I want people to understand that that doesn't put us in a box. We have plenty of non-Christian folks that come alongside that we do character training, we do leadership training. But we're also not shy about the fact that we are a gospel-centered, Jesus-centered ministry. We want people, we think the best way to play sport is to do it Jesus' way and to follow him. We're not shy about that. But that also doesn't mean that folks who don't claim to, to, to any faith or faith in Jesus aren't welcome to participate in what we do or even benefit from some of the trainings that we have. We want to live in the world of sport, bringing light and bringing peace and bringing what I think is flourishing and abundant life to sport, because as you know, and as we'll get into, I'm sure, Linda, that the world of sport is not always an abundant life kind of place. Nope, it is not. So how's it been for you the last year or two trying to 
uh, keep your organization going, trying to keep young athletes involved and engaged, trying to keep coaches engaged with all the challenges that have been presented by this horrible virus? To be honest with you, when the lockdown happened in March of 2020, within three weeks, the, the Danville Dashers hockey team, at the time I was the team chaplain for that organization, they canceled their season. The IHSA canceled all sports seasons, and we went to remote learning as far as secondary school campuses. At that moment, everything, every avenue of ministry that we have, every, every relational touch, because everything we do in FCA is based on events and relationships, relational touches. And all of a sudden, we were prevented from having events and prevented from having these relational touches with folks. Uh, so it was extremely difficult. We had to pivot pretty hard. Uh, the most hated word of 2020 is pivot. I know everyone was hearing <laughs> that term. And we tried We tried our best to pivot. We went virtual, trying the Zoom thing. But Linda, as you know, Zoom fatigue set in really quickly, particularly yeah. for, our, for our public school coaches who were trying to do e-learning, trying to do homeschool, e-learning with their, their own kids, and then e-learning with the kids from their school. Another Zoom meeting on a morning or an evening to do a, a coach's huddle or a one-on-one, that just was not what they were about. We yeah, really I'm going I'm I'm to stop you right there so we can yeah. go to break. But when we come back, then I want to pick this back up and talk a little bit more about more uh, a little bit more about this because uh, it's such an integral component of your program working with coaches and everybody was facing so much. That's what I want to know is how you were able to kind of keep this thing going and get the message out there working with coaches when they were inundated with all the things they were trying to do. So we will do that when we come back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you and on the Zoom call this morning, Dan Chapel, who heads up um, the uh, FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in East Central Illinois. What, seven counties, I think? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Um, and Dan's with us all the time. Always enjoyed talking to him, not only about what his organization is trying to do, but but about sports. Uh, it's my chance to, to get to do some sports talk, so um, I enjoy that. We're talking right now about what COVID has done to uh, an organization that works closely with coaches, and with young athletes, and uh, COVID in the last two years has meant all of that has been um, changed and challenged. And so how have you addressed that, Dan, uh, from your organization's standpoint? Because a huge component of that really is not only working with young athletes, but working with coaches to encourage how they bring on those young athletes, how they create an environment for them. So for coaches that are in the school system and completely inundated uh, with all this stuff that's gone on with, with COVID, how did you manage to make that work? It was extremely difficult. As I said before the break, the COVID fatigue, particularly for our middle school, high school coaches, set in quickly as they're trying to facilitate e-learning for their own children do e-learning for their students. It, it just wasn't feasible. We had a few here and there just checking in, a complete interruption. We weren't allowed. Obviously, there was no practice. A lot of what we do, Linda, we do 
Randy Hurd, who's a former superintendent at Bismarck, <laughs> who is now working for me, which is kind of funny. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I like being, I tell him all the time, I like being his boss when he really should be my boss. Uh, <laughs> He, he talked a lot about in administration, he managed by walking around. You're, you check in. And in FCA, a lot of what we do is those relational touches, stopping by practice, stopping by a planning period, uh, bringing someone lunch, all those just we have this ability to just drop in and be relational, to have those relational touches, even to more organized like a coach's huddle or, a, or an athlete huddle. And there was none of that available. All of it completely canceled. So we went analog in some ways. We would, for, we spent a, a season where we would get a, a gift certificate to a restaurant and stick it in a handwritten note and send it to a coach, just to have that that relational touch. It was a lot of it was a season, Linda, of encouragement. We weren't trying to move the ball. We weren't trying to equip and teach and, and take the next hill for this coach to understand how to coach his players better or these athletes to lead a better huddle in their campus. It was mostly just. Can we just encourage people? Can we keep can we keep up the relationship from a distance, so to speak? It was maintaining. It was a season of maintaining. There was no and, and you understand this. Uh, everyone understands, except for the lumber industry. I don't think anyone grew up a, a lot <laughs> COVID. It was a lot of just maintaining what we have, keeping those relationships going, yeah. so that when things open back up, we could kick. Back. And that's what we're seeing, even this fall, even with some of the restrictions, with some of the the things still in place. We are light years ahead of where we were in 2020 as far as meeting with coaches, having these relational touches. So we're, we're headed in the right direction. Okay, so talk about that. So what's going on this fall? That's uh, probably one of your busiest times um, because of fall sports and their popularity. So where are you at? What, what's going on with FCA? We are launching a new framework for discipleship, for apprenticeship, if you will. Really excited about this. We're, we're piloting it with uh, four coaches in our area. I know that this is uh, radio, not TV, so I'm not going to pick up the – I have it on my desk. I'm not going to show it to you, but I'm really excited about it. It's called the 12-Week Journey, where we're walking coaches through understanding the platform they've been given understanding the, the opportunity that that is and understanding the power of that influence and then giving them some practical tools and some practical things that they can use to make sure that they are maximizing this influence. The two most powerful words in the English language are coach says, just by the nature of yeah. the influence of sport. That's a tremendous amount of responsibility. And so that's what we're doing. And then with our athletes on campus, we're, our, our, our athlete huddles are cranking back up. They weren't, they had to be canceled last year, obviously in 2020. So we're getting applications from student leaders, making sure we get them trained to understand how it works and, and what they need to do to, to do ministry there with their teams or on their campuses. So we're, 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 we're cranking back up in a lot of ways, uh, maximizing those relationships, trying to get back to to a rhythm of being it's life on life. That's what we do. Linda, we, we don't, we do events, but a majority of our ministry is life on life in the trenches, encouraging, training, equipping. That's what we do. And, and that's what we love to do. And we're back at it. Praise God. So, um, and I realize you have a perspective from FCA, so you're going to, you know, look at it one way, but I also know you're the kind of guy that looks things in a, at things in a, in a broader perspective. So, Tell me how different it is today to be a coach, because it seems like expectations uh, in sports in general are so different today than they were 20, 30 years ago. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it feels like. So uh, is coaching today different 
in what they're trying to do with young people? I, coaching, coaching is is different from, from what I hear from coaches. Coaching is different, but not necessarily because the vocation of coaching has changed. You're still trying to teach the fundamentals. Right. You're still trying to instill character. You're you're still trying to you're you're trying to lead players to a place where they can't get to by themselves. That's actually the that goes back to the medieval time. That's the definition of a coach, a covered carriage that takes people of importance from where they are to where they need to be. And that's what coaches have always done, whether you're talking about the, the covered carriage drawn by a horse or the person who's trying to take these people where they need to go. What has changed, Linda, is the culture around that vocation. Yeah. The, yeah. the state, the, the margin that kids have or don't have, the expectation from the culture, the, the, the performance-based identity. That, that One of the things we talk about constantly, Linda, and FCA is we have got to get away from this performance-based identity that crushes coaches, it crushes kids, and it crushes the experience of sport. Everything that we, we want to say is great about sport gets crushed with this performance-based identity. So this culture around sport of obsessing over winning and unfortunately cutting, cutting corners to get to the win, putting winning versus the process of competition on the throne has, has really changed the culture around sport, which in turn has changed coaching. Absolutely. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about that because we saw uh, over the last few months between the tennis star and Ms. Biles, we saw some classic examples of how challenging even to be an individual athlete is because you are the center of attention of the world. It is the strangest thing to, to look at from somebody old like me. I, I was just, I've been fascinated by the whole thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about that when we come back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers, 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you this morning and on the Zoom call, Dan Chapel, who heads up um, the FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, here in East Central Illinois, Seven County area. Had Dan on many, many times. Always enjoy talking to him. He was supposed to be on recently, but uh, got hit with a really bad case of COVID, and we're happy to have him back healthy and with us this morning. So, Dan, you were talking before break about something that I've been watching awfully closely lately because of my uh, involvement with the Vermilion County Mental Health Initiative and my concerns, which we've talked about before, about the pressure on young people from um, athletic involvement. Um, heck, they have the same kind of pressure from choke wire. I mean, it's we're putting a lot of pressure on our kids today. We are more aware of mental health issues, but we certainly saw those come into complete public view recently, this summer, with uh, not only the tennis star, uh, who had her issues uh, and about talking to the media, and then with what Simone Biles went through in the Olympics, which was about as public as you can get. And I so respected both of them for being willing to stand there and say, this is going on and it's more important uh, because it's my life uh, than, than, the, than the sports in which I compete. 
Um, what about that? What, what were your thoughts as you saw both of those scenarios play out? Well, I'm, I'm certainly want to be up front and say that I do not have the credentials to comment on. Uh, oh, but you know health, what I but, mean. But I, I know what you mean. I just want to, these days, you, uh, you got to be careful. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You, I understand. So I to, but, but I will say this, Linda, as I watch, I'm not surprised. I, I don't want that to sound like I'm not sympathetic or, or compa- I have compassion and I'm sympathetic, but I'm not surprised that we're seeing this uh, play out on a national stage. Many of those in my circles who have been involved both in FCA and in sports coaching or promoting all the different avenues at which that I live on the edge of sport, they've folks have been seeing this trend continue to build as the pressure. Again, as I mentioned, and it's a bit of a technical term, but performance-based identity that my value self-worth is attached to how well I do. That that is subversive, and it's something that has snuck into the way we actually teach and the way that we coach. As as you metabolize that, as an athlete metabolizes that, and their value and self worth becomes attached to how well they perform, it is going to have dastardly effects on their mental and emotional health. We as human beings were not designed to have our self worth and our values based in our performance. That's not how God designed us. So yeah. it's it's no it's no surprise in that sense. Also, the when we talk about mental health in athletes, one of the things that we talk about in three D coaching is margin. That that as there's other factors at play here with social media, with technology, with schedule, with with the way that modern life has so reduced our margin for being able to metabolize and deal with some of these issues and struggles. So 30, 40 years ago, sure, you're still competing. Yes, there was performance-based identity. All of these things were, were in play, but there was the, the way that the culture, the speed of culture was slower. There were no iPhones. There were no, all the things that were finding the neurological effects of social media and screen time, that was not yet in play. And so, well, we know we've, we've, we've got the visions of people throwing chairs and throwing rackets. Like we, we know that sport has never, there's never been this golden age of sport where everything was perfect. No, there's no doubt about that. But the particular struggle that you're talking about, Linda, it's not just a performance-based identity. It's these other cultural factors yeah. that are taking the margin away from athletes. Well, and the other thing that I've thought for some time, um, and every once in a while I, I bring it up and people kind of look at me like, oh, my God, there she goes again. But I think we're, we've, we, we have failed to teach kids to fail or to lose. We don't teach losing. All we teach is winning. And life doesn't work that way. And so when you have a helicopter parenting, constantly keeping kids, um, to, to making them feel good about themselves and, and feeling safe and secure and successful, when they get out in real, the real world, they're going to find out it doesn't work that way. I don't care who you are. It just doesn't work that way. And you have to learn how to fail. You have to learn how to have that experience and then bounce back and move forward and learn, you know, learn from that experience. And we're out of time again. I hate that. Every time I try to, we try to talk, we run out of time too soon. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to reach out and, and next month have you come back 
And we'll kind of continue this conversation, not only about what FCA is doing, but also about this, because I think it's an important thing we all need to acknowledge and talk about, because sports is really consuming our lives. So thank you so much. I'm so glad you're feeling well. Thank you, Linda. We will uh, we will talk again next month, okay? Thanks, Dan. Take care. All right. Join me tomorrow. Uh, we'll be talking to Natalia Bourne, who is head of AMBUX. And we'll be talking also with Wendy Lambert, who has been named AMBUX's first citizen. So she's going to tell her story, and we're going to talk to her. So please join us tomorrow on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton. Danville's Talk Station, 1490 WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.